Welcome to the Relaxed Dog Podcast. The podcast where the dogs are the stars of the show. Welcome to the Relaxed Dog Podcast. Sponsored by the Relaxed Dog. Thank you for listening. I am your host, Robert Ober, and I hope that you and your dog are well. As I record this on a Monday afternoon, fresh back from an exhilarating weekend in Belangelo Forest with my club, the Siberian Express All-Breed Running Club, which is a club for sled dogs, and it was great to get out in the forest again and Marley had a ball. If you have a dog that likes to run, I highly recommend that you let it and do it appropriately. This week on the podcast, after the usual bit of doggy news, I have an interview with Ben Reuter, who is an exercise physiologist he's going to be sharing quite a, a little bit of a, a sensitive one on his Labrador Retriever, Emma. In a tragic incident, as reported in the Times of India, a pet dog has allegedly jumped to its death after the demise of her owner, a woman doctor from Kanpur, the doctor adopted the dog, Jaya, uh, around 12 years ago as a puppy. The article goes on to say that when the doctor's body was brought home from the hospital, Jaya started barking and wailing. Later, she apparently rushed upstairs and jumped off the building. And I'm um, sorry, but the second article is also not a pleasant one. Um, Manny Pacuiro, the boxer, is mourning and his family is mourning the loss of their 14-year-old Jack Russell Terrier, Pac-Man. Unfortunately, he was accidentally run over by one of Pacuiro's aides as they were moving cars around the garage area. I think we all can see a lesson there. In happier news, in Trout Creek, which is in Summerland, Canada. A 120-pound shepherd has reportedly lifted up from a crevasse by abseilers after passers-by could hear the dog barking down below. It's apparently trapped down there for close to a day and is reportedly doing well. And now we go to Gifnock in Scotland where the owners of a dog called Freddy went into their local Morrison's supermarket and left Freddy tied up the front. The weather took a little bit of a turn and went from dry to rain, funny that in Scotland, and security guard by the name of Ethan Dearman on his patrol came around to the front saw the dog saw Freddy in the rain and what did he do put up his umbrella and stood by the dog sheltering it from the rain a little while later Freddy's owners came out and thanked Ethan and while he was doing that someone captured the moment on their phone, shared it to social media, and now that image has gone viral. So, thank you, Ethan. And for those that didn't get the answer to the trivia question last fortnight, the question again was Santana, Ty, Sam Seven, Boyka, and Ikar name the movie. It was, of course, John Wick 3. Amazing scene in that movie. 
Anyway, here we go with this week's interview where Ben is going to have a special share with us and he's going to tell us all about Emma. Welcome to the podcast. I'm here today with Ben and we're going to be talking about Emma. So Ben, take us back to just a little bit before Emma and give us some background as to how Emma came into your life. Always happy to talk about this. So go back a little bit farther than before I got Emma. Uh, For some reason, it was stuck in my mind when I graduated from college that I wanted a dog. So of course, I got cats first because I figured, you know what, if I can take care of a cat, the next level of responsibility is a dog. (laughs) And I had it stuck in my mind, I wanted a Labrador Retriever. And I cannot imagine why it was. So my first job at a university, I had a a lady that I worked with. She and her husband were uh, part of a lab rescue in Florida where they rescued labs and, and found homes for them. And she kept saying, oh, I've got this dog for you. Oh, I've got this dog for you. And I always had an excuse. And finally, she had one dog. She just kept saying, this is perfect. And I said, fine. I'm teaching this uh, anatomy hands-on lab class with students. Bring her into the class. And if she's not aggressive, I'll take her. So about three hours later, I had a dog. And that was my first dog, Jasmine. And I had Jasmine. And I moved up to uh, the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area. And friends of mine who, who I met there kept saying, you need another dog. You need to have two dogs. Jasmine needs a friend. <laughs> and I kept putting it off and putting it off. It's like, no, no, I mean, one dog is enough. And you know, Jasmine tore her cranial cruciate ligament, had surgery and came back from it with no problem. And when Jasmine was about 10 or 10 and a half years old, I do a little personal training on the side in addition to my university job. I got a text from a former uh, client who'd moved away with a picture of a chocolate Labrador puppy saying, you need to call this number right now. This is the next dog for you. And that was Emma. So I call this number and it's this couple, uh, newlywed, they both work. And Emma had been adopted from them at six weeks, or excuse me, by them at six weeks old, which for anybody in the puppy world knows that's, that's probably a little, a little bit, bit young to leave her mother. Yeah, just a little bit. Mom, Mom and dad worked, so the dog was kept in a kennel all day. And when they got home, other than an hour or so out, the dog was put back in a kennel because they had a cat. And as anybody who has dogs know, if they're not well-trained, they like to chase cats. So that was Emma at about 10 weeks old. I show up with Matt, with uh, Jasmine saying, you know, if Emma gets along with uh, Jasmine, I'll adopt her. And lo and behold, two days before Memorial Day, Emma came home with me. And Emma was a 10-week-old puppy, supposedly with papers, but I th- think there's absolutely no question that if she was able to leave home at six weeks, she was a puppy mill dog. Mm-hmm. And Emma had as a dog that it was left her mom early and as a dog who had been kept in a kennel and not really socialized for the four weeks that the first owners owned her. Kudos to them for recognizing that it was a little bit beyond their care and for getting mm-hmm. rid of her. She was Cujo. Mm. <laughs> so she was nice some of the time, but she nipped. And, you know, I, I have to add that I had adopted Jasmine when she was 13 months old. So all of the puppy stuff was kind of gone. Mm-hmm. And I had no clue what to do. And I was fortunate enough that one of my clients had uh, hired a trainer to train her golden retriever puppy. And it said, this lady is really good. Why don't you do it? So I contacted this lady. This lady came. And I still remember it was supposed to be four one hour sessions and Emma or Emma was a nipper. She would nip and growl and play because she'd never had puppies mm-hmm. and mom to say, uh, uh-uh, this is too much. Um, the trainer came. I remember sitting out on my uh, patio at the patio furniture while the trainer worked with Emma. And I remember thinking, yeah, what the hell did I do? Cause she's nipping at her and barking at her. And it, she stayed an hour and a half and Emma was, quite a bit better then she went from Cujo to kind of a holy terror <laughs> um, and she said and the trainer said you know here's some things that we can try as we're working with her. she said you know let's try spraying her with water you know if she if she nips or she bites we'll spray her with water well Emma's a Labrador Emma thought that was great <laughs> so then nice she reward. said well <laughs> why don't we try spraying her with water with lemon juice in it 
well, lo and behold, Emma liked the taste of lemon juice. <laughs> so she left me with, well, you know, one of the things you can do, because she's better and you've got some tools to work with her, but if she does this, fill a tennis can full of pennies, shake the tennis can and throw it on the floor and it'll scare her. So I sourced some pennies. I bought a, a, a can of tennis balls and filled the can with pennies, wrapped it up with duct tape. And, you know, when Emma had her nipping fit, I said, no, I, I reprimanded her. I shook the can and I threw it on the floor. And Emma thought that was the best thing in the world. She grabbed the can and brought it back to me. <laughs> but I have to say, as I, as I used the trainer's skills over the next two weeks, um, there were times that Emma would, uh, would nip a little bit. But I would say just from that one session, she was like 90% better. Trainer, oh, comes back, mm-hmm. trainer comes back for the second session. And, you know, during this, I'm communicating with her, says, you know, this, this dog is, she's had a bad life. You always have to watch her. You have to make sure she's, you know, she, she's always going to be dangerous, but you know, you can keep her, but just be very alert with her. And at the end of the second session, she's working with Emma and Emma's again, pretty good. And she had some medical issues, not Emma, the the trainer. So I never got the final two sessions, but I knew that she was going to be good because about three weeks later, I was walking her with my first dog, Jasmine. And there was a fly in her back and I reached down to brush it off. And I think Emma saw a shadow. So she went back and she went to like nipped at me. And I grabbed the scruff of her neck and said, no. And as soon as I grabbed the scruff of her neck, she collapsed on the ground, just in a passive position. And literally Mm -hmm. just doing the normal dog training from them. She turned out to be a very, very good dog. Jasmine was kind of a loner dog. She tolerated her, didn't dislike her, but she was very good that when Emma would be too much of a puppy, she would jump on her, pin her, and growl. And I very quickly noticed that when she growled, the head was turned away. It was just kind of a, hey, you don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. So we continued on for about two years. Life, life was great. Unfortunately, as happens with dogs, things happen. Jasmine, about two years later, uh, I, I learned that she had cancer and I had to put her down um, at 12 and a half had Emma and I immediately knew I wanted a, 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 another dog because I had realized what my friends had told me. One dog is good. Two dogs when they get along is kind of a lot of fun. It sounds particularly with the, with the can shaking that Emma was a very confident puppy. It's funny you say that because she had, as we'll, as we'll get into, she was really had a lot of anxiety issues. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's you, you would think that. So I, I get a second puppy and my current dog who is seven, one of my current dogs, uh, Maggie. And Maggie was a black lab puppy who, when you speak of confident dogs, Maggie's confident. If you want to talk about a chill dog, Maggie, nothing bothers her. She's very friendly, very mellow, likes to do anything, gets along with anybody. And Emma tolerated her. Emma, Emma thought she was the best thing. Um, about three weeks into having uh, Maggie the puppy, Emma had to go to the emergency clinic because Maggie liked to hang on Emma's neck or collar with her teeth. And she cut up, <laughs> she cut up Emma's neck badly. Oh, so she has, she has a shaved, shaved neck. It heals up. And then probably three or four weeks later, She's just not acting right. Emma's acting really, really strange. And I'm supposed to leave for a conference in like two days. She's really acting strange. She's acting anxious. So I am fortunate enough that when when I got uh, Emma, I purchased pet insurance. And so I took her up to the emergency clinic and they did a CAT scan. And they said, there's some sort of mass in her digestive system. What has she eaten? I was like, well, I don't know. I, I watch her. She doesn't eat anything. Well, it's, it's there. It's blocking it. We need to admit her. So they admitted Emma and I canceled my trip and she was there for three or four days and I would go up and see her and she'd act cheerful and I would talk to the vets and the vets would say, well, it's moving through so we don't need to do surgery. We don't know what it is, but we have to say she is the most cheerful dog we've ever had in intensive care. <laughs> Turns out it eventually passes after about four days and somehow she had gotten into the kitty litter and eaten eaten a large quantity of kitty litter. Oh, kitty litter. So she was uh, about about two years old then. Life continued. Uh, She and Maggie get along great. Life is, is glorious. 
And about four years old, uh, one March day, I, I call them to feed. And as she's coming to feed, she falls on the floor in a seizure. And I didn't know what it was. Took her to the vet. Vet said, I don't know. I mean, you know, it just could be a thing. We'll watch it. And she started having more and more seizures. So I took her to the specialty vet. My dog had a neurologist or a veterinary neurologist. And here's wow. again, a, a big mm -hmm. fan for pet insurance. They said, you know, it sounds like epilepsy. We don't know. We'd like to do a CAT scan. We'd like to do an MRI. We'd like to do a, uh, a spinal tap. But, you know, we have to tell you, this is, this is really expensive. And I remember saying, no, no, I got pet insurance. I've got a deductible. Go ahead and do it. Mm -hmm. They did all this work. And I have to add, uh, Emma did not like riding in the car. You had to keep a hand on her. She was constantly whining. But you'd get her to the vet and she would just say, this is great. She'd go in and greet everybody. And we'll talk more about that in a few minutes. So they, they did all this testing and they came back. It's idiopathic epilepsy. Um, How did that make you feel? I, my initial thought that I said to her is I said, you know, what can I do with her? And the neurologist said, you can do anything that you want to do as long as she wants to do it. So this is kind of as we were chatting before we started recording, this was one of the things that was the impetus behind me starting my podcast with the ethos movement as a lifestyle, not just an activity. I realized that she loved running. She loved walking. She loved being in the woods with me, with, with Maggie, with my girlfriend. And I decided, it's like, you know what? One of the priorities of most days of the week is we're going to the park and we're going to do whatever she's capable of doing. And pretty much for the first two years, you know, if we, we had to manipulate the medicine. We had to figure out what it was. And she was on two or three meds. And she went about a year without a seizure. I'm like, oh, this is great. This is, you know, this is wonderful. It's still stress. And then we entered a two-year phase where, first of all, the neurologist who just was phenomenal, the whole staff. I mean, I, I remember one time when she was admitted for a, a seizure because – Again, I'm spoiled and I, I spoil my dogs like, like their kids. And I, the standard procedure in the United States is if you have a dog with epilepsy, if they have three seizures within a 24-hour period, you need to bring them to the vet to make sure that they don't go into a seizure that can't be controlled. And I told the neurologist, mm -hmm. I said, look, I've got pet insurance. Forget the three. If she has two in a 24-hour period, you're seeing her for observation. She said, that's fine. So I think she knew that I was one of those pet owners like, look, I'm with the pet. Because at one point she said to me, you know, if you ever decide you don't want Emma, I've got three or four techs who said, we'll take her. So she spent a, a number of nights because she had the two seizures as the seizures started to become more common and we manipulated medicines at the emergency clinic. And I remember uh, one time I'm sitting there waiting for the door to open and the door opens for them to come bring her back. And as she goes back, I hear like five or six voices go, Emma. So she had a big fan. <laughs> uh, what, what occasion I, I called the neurologist to find out what time I can pick her up because the neurologist had, he had uh, let me know, you know, there's, this is the normal thing. She's good. We'll adjust the meds. Good being as good as it could be. Um, and I said, mm -hmm. he said, you know, when do you want to pick her up? I said, you tell me when I can pick her up. I'll be there. And I heard in the background, one of the texts say, tell him three o'clock. <laughs> because they wanted to spend time with her. Um, I picked her up one time and one of the techs said, I hope it's okay. We didn't put her in the kennel when she was here. She just followed us around because she was so friendly. And I knew that the, that the, uh, the neurologist really had, had her back and would do anything. And I was fortunate enough to be able to afford it. And about two years into this with the manipulation of medicine and things like that, the, uh, neurologist calls me after a series of blood tests and says, you know, she's got some really abnormal values. I want her to see the internal medicine uh, vet. Yes, my dog ended up with a two specialists. And, wow. you know, she goes, and we have an opening that we can get you in tomorrow, which happened to be a Saturday. And I remember thinking, God, I'm going to lose her. Is it cancer? What is it? So I'm completely stressed out. Bring her, bring her in. They do the, do the testing. Um, finds out she has inflammatory bowel disease. 
I mm. later find out from the neurologist that it wasn't that it was an emergency. I mean, it could have been two or three days later. It was that she knew how conscientious I was about my dog and how much I would worry. And she was doing me a favor by getting it in early because in, in early, yeah. <laughs> because I had communicated to the internal medicine how, how nervous I was. And, you know, obviously doctors in the same practice talk. And she, I remember the neurologist was so apologetic. She goes, oh, I should have said this. I just was trying to, you know, I, I know how much you care about it. Now, emergency, just wanted to do great Yeah, service. I mean, she was absolutely phenomenal. So Emma now had a neurologist that she saw every three or four months, sometimes sooner if she had a series of seizures. And she had an internal medicine specialist who she had to see every three weeks because they needed to do blood tests when they manipulated her, her uh, medicines to try to get her to control the inflammatory bowel disease. How did she go with the meds? All I can say is when she passed, she was on eight different medications. They kept adding things. Um, significant atrophy from the steroids in the hindquarters and still absolutely happy-go-lucky. I mean, obviously, anxiety when riding in a car. I'll talk about some of the other anxieties, which is really an overall, if you ever looked at somebody who embraced, I mean, she would whine all the way up to the vet. She'd pull me in the door and there was one lady behind the desk who would why would I pull you into the vet into the door. vet door? Yes, after after whining all the way up, she would pull me into the vet door. There was one lady behind uh, the desk, a check-in lady, who would stand up and say, "Can she hop up on the desk?" So she had her fan club. Then neurology would take her back. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I would hear at various times from either neurology or from internal medicine. Um, yeah, we took her up to like one time. Internal medicine said. Yeah, sorry it took us so long to bring her out front to you, but we took her up to neurology to show her off. Why do they have a picture of her on the bulletin board? We don't. <laughs> so unfortunately, you know, looking back, it was it was a slow decline. Probably first two years were pretty good with the inflammatory bowel and the epilepsy. More and more seizures, um, more and more meds, more and more visits just a dog that every day or just about every day she was able to get out, go to the park. Sometimes we went faster. Sometimes we didn't, but two days before I had to put her down, she was able to go out and uh, trot along quite happily for three miles. The interesting thing is you say she was a, uh, you, you said she must've been a confident dog. She wasn't, as I said, she hated to ride in cars. Um, she was afraid of people until she was introduced to them. I had to actually buy a different teapot because the ding when it went off would send her to her comfort place, which was sitting on the sofa. And the other thing that would set her off was if somebody opened the attic door, she could be downstairs. And if you opened the attic door, she would immediately be in her comfort place in the sofa. On the other hand, okay, um fireworks, no problem. I remember them doing some construction work uh, in my house where they were using a nail gun and she and my, uh, my black lab would sit there with their head, heads cocked, the nail gun would go off and they'd just become like, huh, that's kind of interesting. So really a dichotomy of a dog, but just a dog who had these two chronic illnesses that were gradually getting worse and just had a phenomenal attitude towards life. Um, towards the end, you know, the seizures were getting more frequent. It's pretty much. And then she finally had a seizure that she just didn't really come out of during that seizure. She tore her cranial cruciate ligament and I had to make the decision to put her down. Um, and you know, obviously I cried, but I was pretty good. I was like, okay, I know this was the right thing to do. And what absolutely, you know, the, the vet, the neurologist called that night and apologized and I'm getting a little choked up about this. Um, no, that's she said one of her texts was absolutely in tears because Emma had been her first case. Um, the internal medicine physician called. And again, this was a specialty clinic. This was not where I had her put down. So, I mean, it's, it's obvious that they had gone above and beyond. And, you know, three or four days later passed and it's like, okay, I'm, I was doing better. And then I got a card from internal medicine where all of the, Text and the internal medicine doctor had written individual messages, absolutely knowing, you know, you could tell from the messages that they had 
known Emma and really loved her. And so I cried like a baby. And then mm-hmm. about three days later, I get a book of dog pictures from neurology with, again, individual messages from the two neurologists there, the one she regularly saw and the, the other one when, when the doctor was not in, in it, and from all the texts, again, with these personal messages. And it's, it's like everybody would always wonder with Emma where they say, oh, you want to go out to dinner? And I'd be like, well, I can't. I have to go home and give her her medicine. And they would all think, you know, geez, you know, this, this is really cramping your lifestyle. And, you know, on the one hand, I didn't, no. I wasn't able to go out to dinner as much. And, you know, either, I, I had to make sure she got her meds. Um, I wouldn't give it up for a moment because on the one hand, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of, a lot of stress. My sleep quality suffered for two years. Um, but it's one of those things that, you know, you just, if, if you have a dog, they really are a family member. And, you know, about three months after losing Emma, I adopted uh, Puddin, who's a yellow lab. And as we were chatting before, before the podcast, I think all of my late pets left a manual because some of Puddin's, who's my new yellow lab's traits, are exactly what Emma's does. She started to carry large sticks, which was one of Emma's passions on walks. She's starting to seek out the same stick when Emma does that. Um, <laughs> I drive a, a Jeep Wrangler and Emma used to, when we would stop, like to hop up on the center console and put her chin on my shoulder. Puddin is doing that. And it's just one of those things that, unlike uh, I mentioned when we were recording uh, before we were recording that I have a, a black and white cat that replaced another black and white cat who has the same traits. And at least once a week, I call the new cat by the old cat's name, even though the old cat's been dead for three plus years. I'm never going to call Puddin Emma because Emma was chocolate and Puddin's yellow. But some of those traits, even though I miss Emma tremendously, it's kind of like I see it and it's, it, it just brings a smile to your face. Cause like, that's exactly what Emma would have done. So it's, it's one of those things you always wish your dogs or your cats could last forever. You, you always hate when they, when they go downhill. I've been fortunate enough that when I've had to make the decision to put dogs down, it's been very quickly. There hasn't been long periods of time where I have to carry them outside. You always say, God, this absolutely sucks. But with the wonders of, of digital photography, you know, I'm, I'm starting to see you know, in Facebook when you go memories, pictures of Emma popping up. And whereas a year ago, which would have been, would have been about three months after I lost her, I, I probably would have teared up or cried. Now it's just kind of like that's so cool that I have this big, this big album, uh, digital album of pictures on Google Photos. But sometimes you don't even expect it, and there, there's the picture. It's like that was just a friggin' awesome dog. Mm. Yeah, it's no, it's no, no real words, and it's no matter how much we we do for them. It's, it's what they do for us is, is phenomenally a million times more. You just can't put it into any sort of mathematical equation. No, I mean, and you, you kind of find that there's some people when you, when you talk to them about your dogs, they either get it and they pull out pictures of their dogs and they tell stories or they look at you as if you're a little off or daft and go, well, it's just a dog. And it's kind of, I found if you're saying it's just a dog, you and I probably aren't going to be long-lasting friends. Just means that they just haven't had a dog yet. Yeah, and it's uh, you know, it's uh, I know I'll lose these, and I, I, I think each one of them leaves a special place. And I remember somebody saying to me, "It's like you know, somehow, somewhere in the cosmos, somebody or something knew that you were the person who was meant to deal with her." You know, I was I was fortunate enough to buy pet insurance. I was fortunate enough to be able to afford her, you know, and that and that really probably prolonged her life because, you know, if something would happen and they'd say we need to do this test or we need to do this medicine, you know, her meds at the end at the end of her life were over four hundred dollars a month. And because of pet insurance, I was able to afford that. And you know, without pet insurance, I'd be like I I would have had to make a decision that I don't think anybody wants to make, which is either put her down or find find a new home for her and I think I'd almost give up my house before I'd find a new home for one of my pets. And that, that may sound a little extreme to some people and other people are probably nodding their heads along going, yeah, I, I, I agree. No, we just, um, actually there was a, an article on our local news last night where a, a lady had lost a dog, a dog 
got away. And she was in the process of hiring a helicopter pilot to fly over local bushland to see if they could find it. And I mean, that's draws parallels to what yeah, you do. I mean, it's, it's not a, how much does it cost? It's a, how soon can you do it? <laughs> Absolutely. So you mentioned that Emma did a lot of hiking and outdoor exploration with you. She did. I, I'm a, I'm a big mover. Um, and what, what I, what I really learned probably basically when I moved up here from Florida with my first dog, Jasmine is they just loved being in the woods. They loved being on trails. We would, we would do what you call fartlek and fartlek is basically a, a Scandinavian term. It means speed play. Um, and I kind of adopted that after my first dog recovered from a cranial cruciate ligament because my goal is my dogs, I want them to be able to move literally if possible up until the day they die. And in both of the instances of the dogs I've lost, I've been able to do that. So we do fartlek. We, do, we go out and we'll go anywhere between two to five miles. We'll go at their pace. So this time of year, like I went out with my two dogs today and it was, I'm not going to be able to convert this into metric. But it was about 75 degrees and 90% humidity, so very humid. We went at their pace. Mm -hmm. We called it kind of a sniffy walk. On the other hand, if it's uh, 15 degrees and snowing, we're probably going to go longer and we're probably going to go faster. So we go at their pace when they want to go. Um, you know, where, where I live, uh, my, my memory of my first dog is slipping her collar and bouncing up and down, looking at me in the middle of a road. So, so I leash my dogs. But Emma uh, just really adapted into going in trails. She, she loved single track. She loved to jump over down trees. And as I think I mentioned, the bigger the stick, the better. And sometimes you just look at her and go, there's no way you're going to carry that stick. And she'd take this thing the size of your forearm that was <laughs> six feet long and her head would be tilted over like this to hold it up in the air. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, she carried that thing for two or three miles. Very much relate to that with our dog, Marley. Yeah, and it's, uh, as I said, I think, uh, I'm not going to say Emma's replacement, but uh, the, new member, the new member of the pack, Puddin, maybe doesn't have these, these same uh, stick skills as Emma, but they're starting to grow. She hasn't gotten quite, anything quite as big, but it's just like Emma. The stick, the stick goes in the mouth, and it's, it's always they find the stick. You know, the, the head goes up as if they're proud. The tail goes up and it's almost like a look at me. I've got my stick. And the, the mm -hmm. funny thing is the, the black lab who has been with both of them kind of looks at him and goes, you know, this is walkie's time. This is not time to screw around with a stick. We're like focused straight ahead. <laughs> Emma, on the trails, did you ever run off or have any interesting in, uh, relationships with local wildlife? Well, they never run off because I, I keep them on collars and I'm knocking on wood when I say okay, that. Yep. Uh, interesting wildlife. Let's see. We have, we have, uh, I have a fenced in small backyard. Um, inevitably a rabbit will get under the fence and run back and forth as the dogs chase wildly after her until it slips back under the fence. So Emma was a big fan of that. Um, she would see a deer and kind of go into a pointing mode. And if there were turkeys, she was very, very interested in wild turkeys, but wasn't exactly sure what they were. Do you ever get close up to the turkeys? Well, the, probably the closest we've been to a turkey was probably eight or nine feet where we flushed them. And the turkey kind of flew up. And I think you can imagine what Emma did. She kind of jumped back and was a little bit scared. And then when she realized what it was, she's like, oh, wait a second. I'd really like to go after this. And the, the, tail, the tail would whip back and forth. Um, she uh, never got a turkey. She, she never got a deer and she never got a rabbit. I kind of think uh, she probably wouldn't have known what to do. The other thing is that I, I, I have a, a patio with some fairly extensive drainage. And it seems like every summer we get one or two toads that comes up from the drainage and sits on the patio in the evening. So uh, mm -hmm. I think for probably the last five or six years we've seen it, I call it toad. I, I have no idea, or Todd the toad. I have no idea if it's the same toad, but Emma would you know, trot in from her, her evening uh, rituals and see the toad and kind of stop and sniff at it. And the toad would just essentially ignore her. It's like, I don't know what you are, but I'm, I'm just sitting here on the warm pavers. So you mentioned very early on that uh, Emma liked mm -hmm. water. How was she like, 
places like swimming? Did you do much I of that? I did not do any swimming because I did a little bit uh, her first two or three years when she was diagnosed with epilepsy. One of the recommendations with dogs is you do with epilepsy is you do not swim them because if they have if they have a seizure in the water, you can't do it. So we would do stream wadings where I would uh, pick my way across the rocks and she would run through the, run through the stream and try to drag me upstream. But unfortunately never really the swimming, the swimming just because of the, uh, the safety aspect with the epilepsy. Yeah, no, very understandable. How was she with, uh, food. Ama- amazingly enough, you would think with inflammatory bowel disease, you would think that uh, she would have a very cautious appetite. She would... Uh, oh, hang on. She's a lab. She's a lab, but, but uh, <laughs> you, you would expect that. Um, with all the drugs, they said this may, this may stun her appetite, but she always ate her food. She got twice as much as my black lab because with the inflammatory bowel disease, she was not absorbing food well. Um, mm-hmm. And she really enjoyed cut grass. So I have a fenced in backyard, which I think she passed it on to my, my uh, black lab. The fact that when you have grass clippings, those are wonderful things to eat. They Mm -hmm. taste good. Of course they then come up. So she would, she would attempt to eat large clumps of grass um, at which point they would be up Chuck. So I had to replace the summer after she died. I had to replace my mower. And I said, you know, this time I'm going to replace it. I'm going to get a grass catcher. So every time I mow my lawn, my black lab goes out, immediately runs up on the lawn. And you can tell when she looks at me, it's like, wait, there's supposed to be grass clippings here. I smell the cut grass. Um, The other thing that Emma excelled at is when we would run single track, which is very narrow trails. She loved tall grass. So there's a variety of grass called Timothy. Um, very tall strands of glass. So she'd like to trot along and kind of reach over and grab big mouthfuls of grass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so a little bit unusual. Uh, carrots were a big favorite. And one of the things that uh, we did because we wanted to make sure we stimulated her appetite is we always put a tablespoon or two of canned pumpkin in her food. And she would enjoy that. Um, Unfortunately, because I'm an exercise physiologist, I think most of the food that I, that I gave her, other than the grass and the kitty litter that she ate early in life before I learned to walk off where the kitty litter was better, she probably ate disgustingly healthy. Which is good. More people really need to think about what they feed their dogs. Yes. <laughs> so, Did she have any uh, favorite games? She was not really a gay. She, she enjoyed, as I said, she enjoyed hiking, walking. She enjoyed just hanging out. Um, she was a lap dog. She was at her best weight. She was 75 pounds at her least weight. She was 65 pounds. But one of the things she liked to do with her, I mean, not so much a game, but if you lay on the couch, she'd want to come lie on top of you, um, which was fine. She was actually much more stable and a much better lap, lap animal than some of the cats I've had. The interesting thing is both the first black and white cat I had and the current black and white cat I had like to lick her ears on the inside. The other thing that I th- <laughs> think is interesting, and again, this is why I'm so happy I have digital pictures, is probably, f- well, not probably, for most of her life, uh, when she would want to lie on top of me on the couch, the first black and white cat I had would then come along and lie on top of her. That's the mental picture I just had in my mind before you said that. You know? So I have, and she would, she would have absolutely no problems. Like, you know, I'm laying where I want to be. This is my happy place, whatever you do. So there are times when Emma would lie on top of me and the cat would lie on top of her for 20 or 25 minutes until the cat would get bored with it. Um, uh, nice. I, I like to, I like to joke. My, my dogs are not working dogs. They're companions. Um, you know, they, they didn't, they don't really play games. They exercise, they hang out with me and, you know, they just, they, they enhance the quality of life. Um, my, my first, my first lab was, you know, I, I thought, oh boy, well, I'll be able to throw the ball and retrieve it. And I quickly learned, I don't know if it's a nature or nurture with all of my dogs is they'll fetch and retrieve, but after two or three times, they'll say, you know. I don't know why I'm doing this. I'd rather just hang with you. I actually used to, uh, used to joke with, uh, friends of mine, you know, not a working dog. And at the time I had Emma 
the chocolate lab and my current black lab. And I said, you know, it's a good thing they're not uh, game dogs because if they were game dogs and I shot a duck, Maggie, the black lab would run out, grab the duck, swim around with the duck in her mouth and never bring it back. <laughs> Emma, on the other hand, would have said, hey, you just shot a duck. Good job. You know, why don't you and I go out and get it together? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they uh, share, well, shouldn't preempt it. Sleeping arrangements. Funny you, say, funny you should bring this up. Uh, and this is people, friends of mine who listen to this will probably contact me and give me a hard time. When I got my first lab, Jasmine, I had this image. It's like, oh, this will be nice. She'll curl up at the, at the, foot, of the foot of the bed. This will be nice. Well, my first night, I woke up dreaming that I was being strangled to death. And there was a black lab looming over me, straddling my throat with her, with her uh, face in my, in my, uh, in my face. <laughs> so I turned it into, and this was in the year 2000, I turned it into no dogs in the bed. The only time the dogs were allowed on the bed is when I traveled and we stayed in hotels or I visited friends who, who also had dogs. And it's like, okay, now you get up on the bed. So Jasmine never spent time on the bed other than when we traveled. Emma never spent time other than we traveled. She generally, they generally were not allowed on the furniture, although Emma would jump up on the sofa. And when she jumped up on the sofa, you knew that there was some sort of stressor or something that was causing some anxiety. Uh, I don't count her lying on top of me as being on the furniture because she was on me. Never slept in the bed, slept, slept on her dog bed right, right next to me. Um, Maggie, my black lab, never slept on the bed, never had any interest. And then we come to the current dog, Puddin, who Emma left some notes for. And uh, Puddin is the first dog that is allowed to sleep on the bed because she sleeps better on the bed. So I think Emma left in the manual somewhere, hey, you know, lying on top of the big guy is kind of a lot of fun. And at times when you can get on the bed, it's really nice too. So I'm going to leave you with the legacy of keep working your way in and sooner or later we'll be able to sleep on the bed. So she sleeps on the bed because if she sleeps on the floor, she gets restless. If she sleeps on the bed, she curls up and goes to sleep. So uh -huh, nice. she, le she, le she left the legacy of saying, and the interesting thing is the black lab is like, thank God. I don't have to worry about this yellow dog bugging me in the middle of the night. I can just sleep. So go on, let her on the bed. I don't want to be on the bed. I've sort of lost that sort of uh, last sort of uh, boundary as well. We went from outside corridor to inside bedroom to uh, extension at the bottom of the bed to in under the covers. <laughs> Yeah, that's I. Well, putting putting the yellow lab has currently basically said this is now the rule with putting, and I think we all know how long this will last. Is you're allowed up on the bed, but you have to wait until you're invited up. <laughs> so you know it's it's yeah it's 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 a lost cause. Um, I, I do have to say, especially when it's cold outside or the power goes out, you're like, you know, I should have done this 20 years ago because <laughs> body. And I, and I will say there, 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 uh, there was an instance where Emma was allowed. The, the power had gone out. And this is when I knew that I needed to do something because I was sleeping in a sleeping bag. And I woke up in the middle of the night and somehow she burrowed her way into the sleeping bag. So that's the way I knew. It's like, okay, I need to find alternate arrangements till the power goes on because it's a little cold in the house. Mm -hmm. Understandably, <laughs> I ask all the uh, guests that I have this question, and, and you've already answered it a couple of times at least, but I don't know if you have anything else that you can add to complete. I can't believe my dog ate. I think the biggest thing was I can't believe my dog ate kitty litter. Um, you know, other, other than that, uh, and the grass is kind of the typical dog things, but it's, uh, I, th I think the, if I could say, I can't believe something about her. Um, I hope I have half the spirit she has because you got to figure for half of her life. She had these, these two chronic diseases. Um, she probably didn't know what was going on, but you know, if, if you ever want to, if you're ever having a bad day or, or something, you just look at it and here's a dog that just has a, a jet of V. It just loves life. And I think that's, that's the, the take-home message is I, I think I got more out of her than, than, than she got out of me. And, you know, if I ever had a doubt that I wouldn't have one or two dogs in my life, she pretty much took it away, even though she was 
probably three times as much work as the other dogs because of the medicine. They're so stoic. And I, I know I've mentioned before, and I don't know if people know um, Monty Python, but uh, the Black Knight that stands mm-hmm. there and just starts losing limbs and it's, come on, it's just a scratch. Keep going. And that's that's definitely how I see how dogs are. They're just like, they're, they're, no drama, you know. I'm with you. Let's, mm-hmm. let's do something. Yeah, that's... It is. It's, uh, it sucks when you lose them, but on the other hand, you're like, oh my God, these were just so many wonderful experiences. And, uh, you know, there, there's with, with either of the dogs I lost, but especially with Emma, with, with so many of the Facebook memories popping up, you know, there's rarely a day where I don't bring her up in conversation or, or, or talk about her or something, you know, my, you know, because she just was such a, was such a wonderful spirit. Uh, and, from what you've said, the, the response that you've got from the, the places that you took her, all the vet techs, that, that just speaks volumes about the, the type of dog that she was. I, it's, it's, uh, she, she had a fan club and I, and I, you know, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. You know, I, I would call and, and, you know, they say, you know, and can I get your name? And as, as soon as I would say my name, they would say, Oh, you're Emma's owner. Mm-hmm. And it, and you, you know, on the one hand, you, you like, to, you like to think, um, you like to think that all animals are treated like that when they go to the vet. But I, I, I think that her spirit just was, they picked up on it because, you know, they would be walking. This is a, a big emergency clinic. The, the best story for this is there was one big flare up of her inflammatory bowel disease. And it was a, on a Saturday afternoon. I remember she couldn't keep food down. So, of course, I've got pet insurance. So, well, we're going to the emergency clinic. And we made the trek up to the emergency clinic. And we're sitting there. You know, it's a Saturday afternoon. An emergency clinic for, a, for vets is just like the emergency clinic for, for people. Saturday afternoon is probably not the best place if, time if you want to be in and out. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, we waited an hour or so. They bring her back. And then a, uh, her... her uh, internal medicine doctor comes out and says, I hope you don't mind. We just took Emma out of the emergency room and brought her back to internal medicine. She just happened to be there and walk through and see Emma and say, Oh, what's the problem? When she found out it was a internal medicine, she's like, well, we'll take care of this. She doesn't need to stay in the emergency room. And I, and I think that was when I, I mean, I think I kind of suspected it before, but then I, that's when I kind of realized, you know, she's going to have some problems, but even if I have to leave her at the emergency clinic overnight with internal medicine or neurology, she's going to have a good time because she's got people there who not only are they there because they love animals, but specifically I've seen when they don't have to, they love this dog in particular. That makes, makes all the difference. Thank you very, very much for sharing such a, a, an interesting story about about emma um it's uh sorry <laughs> yeah it's you just you don't realize sometimes the influence dogs have and i mean this is i think if you'd met her you'd be going yeah this was i'm not saying this because she's mine she was she was a special dog that clearly was was put here for a large number of people to benefit from absolutely um I think, yeah, I think they, oh, sorry. <laughs> Definitely, that's what they're, they're here for. Do you want to mention some of your, your, your podcast and some of the other things that you, want, that you do? Yeah, I think, I think the best thing that uh, the best, most, what would be most interesting to your readers, I mean, I do a couple of podcasts with the ethos, movement is a lifestyle, not just an activity. Um, but if you go to... Uh, www.moving2live.com, movingtolive.com. There is a page there where you can fill out a form to have your four-legged friend featured as a mover. You, you answer questions like, your, like your, your dog or your cat. So we'd love to have people literally across the world. If you think your dog is really cool, every uh, Thursday or pretty much every Thursday we publish that. The other thing for dog lovers from my local podcast, uh, Fitness Lab Pittsburgh here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, if you go on Instagram to uh, FIT, 
L-A-B-P-G-H. Every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we do movement tip and lifestyle hack one-minute videos. The majority of these take place when we're in the woods with my two current Labradors, Maggie the Black Lab and Puddin the Yellow Lab. So you can see these two dogs uh, kind of interacting because you know, one of the things that we find with movement and with, with, with exercise is it helps to have an accountability partner or partners. And I know that if I don't get my dogs out for 40 to 90 minutes, at least five or six days a week, they're really going to be pains in the butts. And the old adage, a tired dog is a good dog, really holds true. But I think at the FitLab PGH Instagram every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you can also find it on Facebook. But Instagram, you can see all of them very easily. You're going to see a whole bunch of videos of two Labradors uh, having fun. And I mean, one of the things that I think is really neat with that just pertinent to this particular interview, you can scroll back. Um, Emma, unfortunately, had to be put down in April of last year, so April 2019. But if you go back, we actually did a video explaining why I'm choking up a little bit, why Emma wasn't there. But you could actually go back from when we started doing FitLab Pittsburgh and the first videos that you see with Labradors in it, you can actually see Emma the Chocolate Lab. So she's not with us, but she's with us in spirit. And thank God to digital video, you can actually, if you think Emma sounds pretty cool, go to FitLab PGH on Instagram and you can see all kinds of videos of Emma carrying a stick, jumping over trees, and basically helping spread the ethos that movement is a lifestyle, not just an activity. Uh, that's an excellent message, and I do encourage everyone to go and check out that sort of stuff. Thank you very much again, Ben, and I'm hoping to catch up with you uh, shortly for some for more, more talks. Oh, thanks for having this. I, th I think what you're doing with podcasts, because, you know, sometimes the stories of dogs are more interesting or at least as interesting as the story of people. Thank you very much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the show. If you did, why not tell a friend? Then you'll have something more to talk about with them. Anyway, until next week, stay safe. And remember, your dog is family.